the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, back to Lifeline. All right, we're in the second hour. We are moving towards um, our final uh, hour, and you are welcome to call us, one 367 We've got a couple lines open. Love to hear from you on our topic, or if you want to move on, we can. I just think that it is important that you we recognize that even if we aren't engaging in a conversation with the intentional purpose of making sure that we are exercising a balance, that we will slip on what I call the proverbial sphere of one side to the other just naturally. You, you, you can tell that my conversation with Nelson, which is an intelligent man, bright man, experienced man in many ways, um, kind of, kind of demonstrates the 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 challenge of that. How to maintain virtue uh, uh, in terms of what really does matter versus just you know harping on one side or the other. That ends up becoming the way that Christians talk. Uh, and if you are you know sympathetic towards the left, uh, and you're you you consider yourself a biblicist, you got to be able to defend that position. And I mean defend it. Christocentrically, you can't throw the cross away or the atoning work of Jesus away or the dynamic of the work of the Spirit of God in regeneration away in the name of, you know, a, a social justice argument. You can't do that. Uh, on the right, you believe in, in uh, you know, r- many of the policies of the right. Well, I can tell you now the, the Republicans are sinking under a, a, a global model as well and uh, playing super official Christianity in many, uh, many areas, many spaces of the Republican Party. That tent is starting to look like just like the left with just, you know, righteous rhetoric. Uh, And that's not biblical. The Christian has to be very discerning today and be very wise and very prudent. If you're going to take a bullet, you need to be taking one for Christ. If you're going to take a punch, take one for Jesus uh, not all this other stuff that's going on. Be very careful, Christian, too, that we don't become a neo, uh, you know, Rwandan situation uh, where we are the Hutus and the Tutsis in the Christian camp and, uh, uh, you know, find ourselves uh, devouring one another when the goal is to demonstrate a unity and harmony through Scripture and in the person of Christ with a temperament that looks like Jesus. One of the things we're doing a series right now in our church on the person and work of the Holy Spirit. I guarantee you, if you've never studied the person and work of the Holy Spirit, you might want to put your seatbelt on and join us in our series. This is what Nelson was saying he was listening to on Sunday. And I, I gather by him listening, he, he was moved by the presentation. Because one of the things I stated in the presentation, which was a, a quote, a, a phraseology, if you will, that um, that I have used over the years, didn't didn't originate with me, but I'll share it with you now. That is so true, and this is why he was stating, talking about wanting to spend three or four days at you know at Grace. 
Um, you can you can rarely find a, a healthy believer who can talk to you for an hour about the Word of God. You can rarely find a believer who can talk to you about the Word of God, about God, about the God of the Word, about the truth of God, from the truth of God's Word, and, and exalt Christ for an hour. You can't find that in your churches. Without, as uh, Nelson was saying, you know, blurbs you know, coming in on a political level. What I had stated was we had a bunch of people out at Grace yesterday, and we had a lot of new people. And I said to some of them, you probably were just shocked that you came into a church and a preacher preached for an hour and 20 minutes about God and nobody else. I said, I know this was a culture shock to you, <laughs> that you sat under a man who just opened up the Bible expounded and preached and talked about God and nobody else. And that's such a strange thing in our world today. I mean, like God really doesn't exist in the church in many places, to be honest with you. And that's a sad reality that, that we have to marshal men have to marshal messages. Men and women today have to marshal messages from the fabric of society and somehow weave in a a biblical principle, but that's not Christianity. Christianity, ladies and gentlemen, is all about the person and work of the glorious triune God, how that they are the source and grounds and end and aim of redeeming sinners. Like the gospel is the greatest message on planet Earth. And it really is the only answer to all the problems that we're talking about on a peripheral level. But you can hardly find a person who can talk about God for an hour. I I stated it and you can you can own this for yourself. Great minds, great minds. Talk about God. Average minds. Average minds talk about things. You meet an average-minded person and they're talking about, you know, making money or buying a house or doing this or doing that. And they can go on and on and on all day long about that. Plans on getting wealthy and, you know, positive cash flows and passive cash flows. And you get all that stuff everywhere. That's an average mind. Average mind talking about finishing college, getting a degree, maybe getting married, maybe getting married. You know, the day marriage is passe. That's the average mind. Great minds can talk about God, talk about the realities of, of, of things that are transcendent, that are spiritual, that, that, that are the fabric and foundation for moral and ethical excellency and, and talk about a God of redemption and how God can recover the sinner and transform the sinner and renew the sinner and the excellencies, superlative excellencies of Jesus Christ, who is our uh, visible Alpha and Omega, first and last, beginning and end, and the, the, the reality of the inter of the power of the Spirit of God to apostle Jesus Christ to us and make us like Christ. Great minds can talk about God for hours. Average mind talk about things. And then weak minds, poor minds talk about people. They just talk about people. When you meet a poor-minded person, they always got something bad to say or negative to say or contrary to say about people. Average minds, things. Great minds, God. Poor minds, 
people. All right, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> two lines open, one 367 I'm going to go line one and talk with Ellen. Ellen, are you there? Hello? Hi. Oh, my heavens. Well, I, I have, I'm going to be very quick because I know people are going to want to talk to you, but this is, I, I, I can't even tell you. First of all, I'm going to end up, I'm going to address what you first asked, but then I want to get to a, a, a sermon that I heard that I think, I'll give a testimony this morning. It was an answer to all of this, what we have to do. Quickly, I'm going to just address the, the Trump issue and all that. Is it affecting? Yeah, of course, every, there, there, there are sick people in the world or evil people, whatever you want to call. There was a study done. I'm not going to get into a whole big thing, but they, they studied. This is an extensive as part of the, the government. Anyway, this is all they do. They study mass murderers. And they found that in every single case, this just mass murderers, every single case going back to the 60s, they all had one thing in common. They had had some kind of trauma in their life. This isn't to mitigate anything. This has had the, the, the breakdown of humanity and the fall of, because of Adam and Eve. So, but they all had some, either they were abused or they, they were sexually abused or, or, or they had a, a, some, some kind of trauma. And then it's usually something that instigates it just prior to the, uh, the the actual attack years sure, later. Sure. Okay. So and, and I'm not going to go through. We all know. You know. They're saying even Roof, who killed the, all the blacks in the church, it turns out that his girlfriend uh, left him for a black boy. Sure. So I mean, there's always it's always it's not so. So to answer your question simply, because I want to get past this, is that yeah, Trump affects it just like there was a boy who came from Philadelphia, a black boy uh, during uh, I forget in the demonstrations of uh, Black Lives Matter. What do we want, dead cops? When do we want them now? Pigs in black, let them fly. He came to the United States to, I mean, to the New York area to kill two police officers. There's always going to be people who are going to be on both sides. Well, you know? well, what this means, so we can get to the next point, because you said you wanted to be brief on that, and you are right. What this means is when you are in a position of power and you have a microphone, you have to be careful because your words can actually trigger those people. You're, no, you're absolutely right. And, and uh, uh, you know, I'm I didn't vote for Trump. <laughs> but but even if you did, that's okay. I don't mind that. I'm no, no, simply. I didn't. I, I got that. I have I, to defend that. But exactly. Point, I'm not defending. I'm saying both sides. That's right. Both sides. That's right. It's, it's unbelievable. That's I mean, right. both sides. You know, there, there was a Bernie Sanders guy who went and showed, he would have killed all those politicians. True. They happened to be Republicans. True. But there, the, the, the security guard showed up. Why did he say later? Because. Bernie said, uh, you know, if we uh, abolish Obamacare, people will die. Yep. You know, so and then some weirdo person who God yep. knows what's going on in his mind uh, says, I'm going to go kill, you know, Republicans because people will die. So, and so these are disturbed people. It's a breakdown without Christ. And let me tell you, I'm very upset with the right. I'm very upset with the left who, who laugh. I live in Pal- I mean, I don't even want to get started, but, but just in terms of the, the, dis- the disgust of anyone who mentions the name of Jesus is, right. is palatable. That's right. Okay. I so I, I think I've said, I've said it. You enough. did. Uh, and, and what was uh, that enough. other thing that I'm curious about that you wanted to make mention of? Okay. So this is this morning. And let me tell you, of course, we're all like, we're human and, and we're all upset about, you know, if you break down, we hear about mass shootings and, and, you know, right away, everyone starts blaming this, blah, 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 blah. blah. And, uh, but then I started to actually think about it. I went out for a walk and I saw a mother at a little, two little kids. And I thought, my gosh, this could have been the woman there. She lost her family. You know, you kind of put it on a person. It's just got, it's, it's heart, heart wrenching. Yep. Then I came home 
And there was, uh, so instead of politicizing it, it's a human issue. Yeah. Okay, so I came home and I heard a sermon. I have to tell you, it was almost like it was written just in the wake of these three shootings we've had. Right. It was so magnificent and it brought it back. Okay, so this is what the sermon was. I'm going to paraphrase it. I think you'll know it well because it was your sermon. I'm going to cry. I am giving a testimony like you can't believe right now because it saved me. It saved me. It convicted me. It edified me. It, it thrilled me. And let me tell you the conviction part. I'm not going to get into my personal life, but there were some things I need to straighten out. Mm-hmm. I, when I heard the sermon, Jesse, now, uh, Pastor Jesse, excuse me. Okay, so Pastor Jesse, this is what, for people listening, I don't know the name of it. It was something about our body, when, when our body uh, betrays us or something. Okay, I don't know the name of it. But everyone should hear this sermon. So that you talked about anger. Yeah. First you talk about anger, and then you say you said in the, in the sermon, well, some people say, well, isn't anger, isn't there a place for anger? How did you answer it? Magnificently! You mm. said, yeah, take the anger to the cross. Yeah. Or to yourself, yeah. because maybe you should be angry with yourself. Yeah. It, you, you went into two different kinds of people. There are the political and the pious. Yeah. It, it was so... First of all, just as an aside, the thing about John the Baptist, I knew he wore camel's hair coat, I never understood why. Um, you know, we're not supposed to judge people based on appearance. I mean, right. you know, they knew, God knew. It was, Pastor Jesse, that, that sermon, I was in tears. You brought me to my knees. And that's what we need to do right now as Christians, I believe. You know, yeah, we can all take sides. Oh, yes, yep. we can be angry. This one's going to be yep. this. this, this. Yep. You know, we all, that's, that's, what we, that's not what we need to do. And these kids who are so angry because they have nothing to hold on to, they don't have Christ, they don't have anything so when, when something happens and triggers them, they're going to go, and yeah, yep. one will read this manifesto, one will read yep. this, one will go in the dark web and yep. read about this, and they'll say, oh, yeah, that sounds good. It's all, all of that's irrelevant. We have to get back to somehow uh, focusing on, on God. It's the only, it's the only thing that can, can, can save and stop all of this. It's not gun control. Yeah, there are things that need to be done, blah, 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 blah. But that just comes and goes, comes and goes, comes and goes. The only thing that we can do as Christians is what you said in your sermon, which is so magnificent, which is don't get caught up. I love the, the concept of the, the political and the yep. pious. Yep. And that's, that's our thing. You're going to hear me say that until, I don't know, until the cows come home. I, I don't even know if they're out. But I'm just, I, if we don't do it, and because America is so politicized and Christians' identities are wrapped up in the flag, whether it's the American flag or it's the Cuban flag, I don't care. The problem is, is we got to get away from thinking that the answer is political and get on our knees and ask God to reveal the glory of Christ to us or else. We're done. Ellen, I got to take a break. I'm way overdue. You said it. You got it real clear, even though it was a plug from one of my sermons. I just actually happened to believe it. Either we're going to be spiritual, pious men and women who are centered in a God-centered, Christ-exalting, Bible-based way, or we're going to be angry, politically, socially-driven folks who love to talk about people. Thanks for the call. I'm going to take a break, and then when I come back, um, more phone calls with you on the Monday edition of Lifeline. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. All right. The time is 626. We've got one line open. If you want to join the conversation, one 367 Let's go to line number two and talk with Tim in San Francisco. Tim, are you there? Yes, I am here, Pastor. Thank you. Um, I kind of joined the 
I turned the radio on late, but I was catching a little bit of. I uh, we can't we can't hear you, Tim. Uh, Tim. Some of the violence and whatnot. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm. Uh, you, you know, I'll try to be quick and concise. Uh, being a Christian, um, what I see is a horrible uh, spirit of rebellion, uh, which the Bible says is like a, like the sin of witchcraft. Um, I don't excuse our president for his. Uh, you know, for for speech or rhetoric that, um, you know, could be taken by and by a person that's capable of doing violent things and feeling that, but it's not going to cause me to go harm people. So having said that, I just want to say that, I mean, I saw a video, Pastor, of, um, and I want to go there if I could, Real quick, the highest position in the Democratic Party, Pelosi said, if, you know, in public, if anybody opposes our party or our beliefs and collateral damage comes to them, then, oh, well, too bad. You know, Vice President, ex-Vice President Biden said, I would like to take the president like we used to do behind the school and whip his, you know what, uh, Robert De Niro said, I would like to punch the president right in the face. Another actor said, I would like to. Uh, when was the last time a Hollywood actor assassinated the president of the United States? Maxine Walter said, if you see any Trump supporters uh, in public, at a restaurant, you know, at a gas station, get out, form a group, and harass them. So, I mean, if that's not inciting violence, I don't know what is. So, um, you know, yes, the president needs to be held accountable. He's, he's brash. He says what's on his mind. But at the end of the day, the Bible says the, key, the heart of the king is in God's hands. And he does stand for Israel. He does stand for a lot of things that are biblical. So, I mean, I don't excuse him. I mean, there's times, yes, he does say, like, oh, boy. Why'd you have to tweet that? Or why'd you have to say it like that, President? But in this two years, when the left has been doing nothing but trying to impeach him and assault him day after day after day, I see God forming his character in that, removing that pride and this and that. And I mean, I used to say in the Bible, you know, crush their teeth, you know, this and God called him a man after his own heart. So I don't know if I answered it, but I know as a Christian we are called to pray for our leaders. And I see, you know, he's a human being. And at the end of the day, he has feelings too. Well, so does Maxine, so does Maxine Waters and all the rest of the people you marshaled out on the left. This is what I was talking about. This is what I, I, I'll let you talk at length. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead on because you're yes. speaking on a speakerphone and that that's hard for people to hear. But I, I really did want to hear you out. Uh, this is this is what I'm talking about. You guys as a group, I'm talking about to, I'm talking to all of the Christians who are listening right now. I appreciate the way Tim um tried to qualify his 
sympathy for the president by marshalling in all of the uh, Democrats who do the same thing. Right. Um, But that doesn't get to the question that I was raising from the beginning of the show in terms of a Christian response to all of this kind of behavior. It once again collapses into a left right argument. I wish you guys could hear what I'm saying. I really do wish you could hear what I'm saying Uh, to just simply say that, well, they do it on the left is not a Christian answer. It's not a Christian answer. I am not trying to uh, put uh, Donald Trump under the bus. I am not trying to put him in hell. I am not suggesting that he's saved or not saved. Far, far be it for me to do that. That's not even the point here. So I'm not, I don't even care about people trying to protect Donald Trump. It it didn't even offend me. What was the issue that I am observing is how that as Christians, we don't quickly affirm the excellency of a biblical model for what should be being done in terms of our language and our dialogue and our conversation, because we are so politically identified, either the left or the right. Of course, I've heard the left use all kinds of uh, abominable stuff in expression of their hostility towards uh, the right. But I don't consider them uh, in their in their argument toward the right uh, uh, as uh, as anything that merit that merits some kind of protection of the right. For me, I'm a biblicist. When you are in politics, you are in the the pigstein of of a dialectical uh, warfare towards each other. There's mud everywhere in politics. There's there's stink everywhere. There's doo doo everywhere. There's filth everywhere. Everybody's corrupting on all sides in so many ways that. That is why the biblical mandate is for you to rise above it and don't become angry and don't become hostile. Your self-righteousness will never accomplish anything. And Donald Trump, unlike the rest of the people that Brother Tim marshaled to the forefront, he's the president. In my opinion, these are just Lilliputians. They have a microphone and they're on the other team as Donald Trump has his team. And yours truly is not on either one of those teams because I see a mess on both sides. I'm sorry. I just see a mess in the right. I see the right collapsing under a false gospel just as much as I see the left collapsing under a false gospel. I see folks on the right angry that have no no Christ-like characteristics in terms of the necessary objectivity and virtue to actually do what Christ said in John chapter 7, judge righteous judgment. No, I see them operating out of the horizontal dilemma of wanting to condemn the other group for being perverse while that group is condemning them for being being, uh, racist. So you got your perverse group and you got your racist group. Neither one of those actually frame a Christian dialogue. I'm here to tell you. Neither one of them frame a Christian dialogue. And, uh, you know, the president does not talk like a Christian to me. And so, yeah, I mean, God does rule over it all. He said it very plainly in the book of Daniel. He sets up the basis of men to rule over the kingdoms of men. I guess if you want to call Donald Trump qualified to be one of the bases of men, as was President Obama, as was President Bush, and as was uh, Bill Clinton, and as was uh, many of the presidents going back when you look at the notoriety of their behavior, John F.K., many of them. My point to you and I is... 
Be careful that you're not letting the flag drape over you and identify and, and hallmark your Christianity because the gospel does not advance that way. Christ is not exalted in a conversation of print, quo, quo, uh, quid pro pro uh, of arguments. You say what you say and I'm going to get you back. I say what I say and you're going to get me back on the level of politics. It should be all about us being able to actually discern when a person has crossed the line, whether it's President Trump or um, or, 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 uh, Nancy Pelosi. Of course, she said a lot of things. We hear it all. The Christian should have a bridle on his tongue. The believer should be able to insert wise words of wisdom. He should not have veins popping out of his head out of a fury and hostility on the other side as if he's somehow self-righteous because it's all crumbling underneath us. There's no justification at any level for the hostility of the fragility of the white man who's afraid that the world's being taken over by colored people. There's no justification for that. There's no justification for black folks uh, always arguing and fussing on a social justice level for 40 acres and a mule. There's no biblical justification for that. It's just not. I can tell you that's why you didn't find Christ walking in the circles of the politicians, nor the apostles. It was only after the apostles era, shortly after the patristic period, did we get caught up in the politics with both the Orthodox Church and, and the, the, the Catholic Church, which eventually became the Roman Catholic Church about a thousand years after Christ. And it just collapsed all the way and down, all the way down to shortly before Luther. And if it wasn't for a recovery of biblical truth that opened the door for Puritanism and, and Reformationism, uh, you and I wouldn't be free today. But I can tell you we're losing that. We're definitely losing that. Thank you, Tim, for the call. I appreciate you. Let me see here. Let me go to Tashana on line number three before I take a break. Tashana, are you there? Yes. Hi, Pastor Jesse. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm great. What's your question on our conversation? Well, I was not, I was addressing. I wanted to address um, your question on how Christians should respond to the atmosphere, the political and social climate that we're in today. Um, I am a working mother of three, um, and so although I'm aware of many of the things that go on in current events, my time is taken up with uh, children and their activities, and so my circle is usually around other adults in my circumstance, if that makes sense. Sure. And and so... um, Maybe for about a year, I've definitely been convicted about not being in communion with God, not being um, where I should be spiritually, and working through that um, with trying to study more of my Word, trying to pray, trying to listen to gospel ministers. Um, but what I notice around me is an anger and a hostility, and these are brown people, other people who are like me, working people, yep. working class yep. people that are angry and upset. And yep. So it came uh, maybe about a month ago, I was at a friend's house, and we were just sitting around talking, and I brought up a topic I heard from Dr. Muller about a, a, a parent in Canada that... Um, was convicted of child abuse after violating a 
uh, a court order, order yep. for not yep. using um, the the gender the title. Trans- yep, correct. And we we started talking about that. Now, mind you, this couple says that they're a Christian. When you walk in their house, they have a a thing on their on their wall that says, "As far as me and my house, I will um, serve the Lord." Um, but I've known them for many years, and 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 I don't think I, I, I don't think their spirituality is that deep. But I don't usually get into it with them, or and so we're talking about this and the anger and the stance that I took. Like this is this isn't right that this father can't is trying to. Refer. I said I would never refer to my children by something. I wouldn't talk about my daughter and say she's a he. I said now if she wants to go and do that, she'll have to wait till she gets out of my house. But you're, I'm not going to do that. And and I was. They were basically saying that I was being abusive, and you know this was almost criminal. And we just having this. And I had to go back to the word, and that's. My, I'm coming to the point is I had to really go to the Word and pray in that moment and open and start talking about the gospel and how this is sin and, you know, and then it got to be this self-righteous thing. And what I found is I had to help them and help myself separate these issues where people conflate um, a certain things. So it was like, oh, well, if you're this, if you're, or you're a Christian and you're saying that, oh, this, if this person is a lesbian or this person is just because we're talking about transgender and homosexuals, then you're saying they're going to hell. And I said, no, that's not what the, the gospel is talking about. We're all under the wrath of God. We are all sinners. We are all in need of a Savior. But just that basic understanding of not understanding what the gospel is and thinking that I'm, you know, because I'm saying if you're get engaging in a certain type of behavior, that that's sin and that's against God's law and that that's not right. And then then you're automatically being self-righteous and you're condemning people. And it's 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 amazing how you ha- you almost have to step back. And, and at least for me, I had to step back, calm down and pray in the moment, but really continue to go back and repeat over and over again what the gospel is, that this is, that this is sin, and we're all under sin. And then going through point by point and scripture by scripture and, and just talking, whether I, I convinced them or not, I don't think I did, but it, it was a very arduous and long conversation with these people who said they are Christians and, but who are very educated and can, can go back and forth with me on a, on a social level, they couldn't necessarily go back and forth with me biblically, but it, 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 was, it was amazing to see, and I hadn't engaged with people like that, but I, for me as a Christian, I think as Christians, one, we have to get in prayer, um, two, we have to really get back into our Word and be in communion with Christ so the Spirit can help us um, love our family and love our friends and to help them see that, like you said, it's not about the right or the left. It's about that the people are sinners, and that if you don't know Christ and you leave this earth, that that is devastating. Yep, and that's that all this, 
That is the you're you're for time's sake. I gotta uh, you know uh, step in, but you're in the same context. This is all politics. It doesn't matter whether it's the politics that shows up, you know, in a preschool, middle school, high school, college on a on a you know business level, sports level, entertainment level, family level, church level. It's all the same. And your example. There are a plethora of examples like yours, Tashana, and 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 sadly, um, <clears throat> what you bumped up against, and that was God, you know, taking time to wake you up, because that's what happens when we are not um, uh, prepared to by a healthy communion with our Father. Uh, to engage people who pretend to actually th- to say they know God, they don't. Your friends don't. They, they don't know Christ. They don't know the gospel. They're not sleep. They don't know the gospel because the gospel is the thing that politics is getting rid of. The, the false church, the liberal church, the progressive church that caters to millennial thinking, progressive thinking, uh, you know, postmodern thinking is represented by that couple that you're talking about. They have no discernment. They don't have a, a biblical litmus test to determine whether or not what that man did was right or wrong. For them, it was a prism of, of, of political persuasion on the left. They have a pseudo love, a false love paradigm. And when you had found yourself engaging them on that level, you were in conflict too, because you, you knew that, you know, now you are engaging them at a level where their indictment towards you would be that you are self-righteous. But that's what happens when we stand on the gospel. They, the God, gospel does deal with sin. It really does. Uh, And the only gospel that does not deal with sin is the gospel that's being hollowed out by the social justice pseudo Christian politician today because the gospel is being hollowed out. Jesus is not a savior. He's just an example. So long as you don't quote Jesus in the matters of the law and quote Jesus in the matters of morality and ethics, just kind of clean him up and make him a whitewashed kind of uh, pathetic, you know, nice guy. And you have a idolatry. Uh, idolatrous view of Jesus. That's where we are in our culture today. So when you began to talk about sin and 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 the and the nature of God and the reality of 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 mankind being created in the image of God and Him making them male and female, that person had absolutely no point of biblical reference by which to de- to affirm that they have the Spirit of Christ. Only two spirits in the world, and you've heard me say this for years, Tashana, and this is where the battle is going to increase when it comes to Christians. Only two spirits in the world, the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And it doesn't matter whether or not it wears the name Christian, wears the name spiritualist, wears the name whatever. The spirit of error will always operate contrary to the Bible, contrary to Christ, contrary to the gospel. It always will, even though it takes on its name. And so you're being awaken to that was very good because it, you have to be be a believer like the rest of us ready to give an answer to everyone that asketh us of the hope of the calling that is within us with meekness and reverence uh, and, and hoping that, that those people will overcome the darkness of hypocrisy pretending to be something that they are really not. I, I, I have to tell it like I, I see it and you know I do. 
that we have a we have a plethora of Bibleless Christians in our generation today, and that's going to be a problem because their anger is not fueled by the righteousness of God in Christ for the glory of God and jealousy for the exclusivity of Jesus. Their anger is a social anger that's rooted in politics, and it has nothing to do with the glory of God. And we we have to be ready to engage that. Thank you for your exampleship. I got to take a break. We'll answer a few more of your calls when we come back on the other side of the Monday edition. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. All right, we're back. Let's go to line number one and talk with Jonathan and Vallejo. Jonathan, are you there? My brother, how are you? I'm well. What's your thoughts about our topic today? Man, first off, I just want to, uh, man, my heart goes out to the families. Um, I think we kind of got off on the conversation a little bit, and I just wanted to bring it back to, um, you know, the condolences to the families out there that's going through this and just be assuring them that, um, you know, we we have a leader and we have a hope that uh, people, so many people across this world that go through turmoil and go through loss that uh, we can look to that will get us through um these these trying times, man. I and I just wanted to get on the radio and uh, bring that back to us as Christians. You know, as back I can think back into uh, Samuel. I think it is in eight when the people wanted uh, a king instead of instead of God over them, mm-hmm. and um, and it's it's just so sad seeing the decay of the society and just how far we have fallen away from God's truth. Wow. And um, man, it's just. That, I mean, I'm right there with you. I'm not on anybody's side but God's side. But, you know, the right. paradigm, I, I'm thinking about the parallels right now. I'm thinking about how national sure. Israel really did collapse into a uh, enamored by politics. It was the way that happened, and I, I just need to capture that thought is that um, Israel had over many, many years, 300 plus years, been given the freedom of autonomy uh, under what we would call a judiciary before a monarchy. They had judges, local magistrates that would help them adjudicate uh, the law of God as independent proprietors. They really had the freedom that God had given them to let him be the ruler over them and them to exercise charitable love and legislation among themselves with just local judges and then they saw this big old posse with with the Midianite kings and his pomp and circumstance and his external glory and his administration and his cabinet and they were just overwhelmed by the splendor and and pseudo glory of that kingdom and that's what they wanted failing to realize that God would have opened the heavens and showed him his host because he is the Lord of Sabaoth. He's the Lord of hosts. He's high and lifted up and splendidly and matchlessly glorious all by himself. That's the king that they had. And if they would have just said, Lord, show us your glory, they would have cried in utter repentance and wanting to trade in the glory of the true and the living God for Lilliputians like, you know, King Saul and 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 others. So I, I, I totally get it that that is where often our Christianity is sliding into today, Jonathan, where we many of us are trying to say, come back, come back to the centrality of the true king that's sitting on the throne in glory. And I get lip service from from my brothers and sisters swinging on the left and right, somehow thinking that it's by the arm of the flesh rather than by the spirit of God and the grace of God and the power of the gospel. 
That's right. And that's that's all I wanted to just um, yep. to get out there. You did a great job with that. that. Yep. You did a great so, job. Yeah. And, and, and in, in fact, that is really that was the question I've raised. What should we be doing? Really, we should be calling men and women to look up and ask God to open their eyes to see the beauty of the king who has never, ever been moved by any small uh, uh, rebellion anywhere on planet Earth. He can stop it whenever he wants to. And our ultimate hope is in him. Thank you for that, my brother. Thank you for that. Listen, uh, bless you. Hey, you guys, I'm going to be wrapping this up. So I can't take any any more calls. Thank you for uh, being online. But uh, we're almost at the end of our program and I'd be glad to hear from you guys next week. But just in closing, I do want to I do want to say that if this if this particular program has helped in any way, I want to just sum it up by really ask yourself, ask yourself, uh, have you shifted away from the sufficiency of biblical truth? As your thesis, as your worldview, have you lost sight of the beauty and splendor and glory and preeminence of the Lord Jesus Christ? Kyrios, Jesus, Yeshua, uh, God's Messiah. He is Yeshim. He is the God man, Jesus Christ, the Anthropos. He's the only hope for redemption. And he does turn the hearts of the kings whithersoever we he wills as uh, as the rivers of water. But we, as the church of the living God, must not trade in our heavenly politics for earthly politics because the dialectic of this world system is designed to divide you, destroy you, and consume you. And there's no power in the flesh. The power is all together in the word of God. And yet you're going to be called bigoted and self-righteous and hateful when you simply say in charitableness that the word of God has plainly said all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And this is sin and that is sin and that is rebellion. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ and his salvation can lift you up out of false identities, false assumptions, false idolatries into a relationship with the true and the living God. That's the message we should be declaring. And when we get off point with that message, we no longer have the power invested in the Christian from God to be able to deal with a world that is sinking, sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shores. All right, God bless you. Until next time, keep your eyes on him who is altogether lovely, Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.